This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. Are you glad you came to church today? It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, happy New Year. Some some of you, this is your first service of the new year because of vacations or or illness or travels and all that stuff. So I met a few people that said, this is my first Sunday. I said, well, awesome. You're in the right place. And you happen to be in the beginning of our 40-day prayer journey, a 40-day journey of fasting and prayer uh, that we call times of refreshing. And so I'm excited that um, that you're here today, and if you haven't been able to participate in that, well, you can start today. Today can be your first day. And on Sundays and Wednesdays and Fridays, Wednesday night and Friday night at 7 o'clock, we have, um, we have special times of worship and prayer here at the church, from, uh, um, and we did two of them last week, and they were off the charts. Amazing. And Sundays, of course, is our regular service times of 9 and 11, and we're calling those our days of consecration. So we invite you to uh, just jump right in today. So if you could grab your Bible and wave it at me to bring your Bible today. If it's electronic, hold up your phone, your tablet, whatever, that's fine. Just wave your Bible, make some noise and just say this good confession. Say, this is my Bible. It's teaching me a whole lot. I really love it. These are living words. These are God's words. And I'll never be the same. In fact, I'm forever changed because of God's word. Neighbor, are you ready to receive today? How about you, neighbor? Are you ready to receive today? Well, all right. Let's get started. Last week, if you missed last week's service, please go and watch it uh, on our app. Watch the, the broadcast uh, Pastor Adam taught a wonderful um, sermon on growing up, adulting, striving for maturity as a Christian. And today we're starting our first message on prayer for the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about prayer, different dimensions of prayer, different kinds of prayer. And we had to start somewhere. So I figured we'd title it, Where Do I Start? For lack of creativity. So I was thinking about where do I start? So um, I typed the word prayer into Amazon because they're a really large bookstore. There was 136,000 books that came up on prayer. So I typed the word prayer into Google. There was 132 million pages Four million were videos. 
Four million were books. And then there were six million that were news articles. The rest of it was just, uh, you know, other stuff I didn't even have time to look at. So in the next five weeks, you're going to learn a lot about prayer. But there's a whole lot on prayer already out there. But it's because as Christians, we've never arrived when it comes to the subject of prayer. There's so much to learn, so much to dive into, so much. There's so many new things that God wants to teach us. I've been a pastor for uh, over 21 years at this point, a worship pastor, a youth pastor, a prophetic prayer pastor, a lead pastor. And you think because you're a pastor that that suddenly uh, somehow like makes you an expert on prayer. It doesn't. And when you think it does, that identifies that you already have a problem. But I have learned a lot about prayer. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that the Lord's house would be a house of prayer for all nations. That's what the Bible says. It says it twice. Jesus even quoted it. And I kind of thought Jesus would say my house would be a house of worship. Because that makes more sense to my mind. But he said, no, my house, my family... People who are Christ followers will be known as a body, a house of prayer. So we've been praying for a whole long time as people of God. And yet it never gets old. And yet there's still things to learn. So there's three things that that I've learned over 20 some years about uh, prayer. I've been a Christian since I was a a young kid, but... um, The first one is that God wired human beings for prayer. God wired human beings for prayer. All religions pray. Everybody prays. They might not pray to the true God, but they all pray. Innate in human uh, existence is this need for prayer. Pagans pray. Muslims pray. Christians pray. Jews pray. Hindus pray. Everybody prays. Buddhists pray. Satanists pray. Everybody prays. Even atheists pray. You punch one in the gut. They say, oh God. They don't say, oh spaghetti. Well, they could say it was something else. But most of the time, it's God. Because wired inside of a human, God, the master creator, the mastermind, the great genius of the universe, our creator made us to pray we're different than mammals other animals i mean i love jj he's my doggy i don't know if he has a prayer life kind of makes me sad but i know that he gets to heaven because he's in our house you know he all dogs go i don't the cats they need intercessors If you own a cat and you're an intercessor, okay, I'll give it to you. Just follow Christy Wasson's uh, Facebook page. Her cats go to heaven. I'm, I'm convinced. She's a great woman of God. The second thing I've learned about prayer is that, and this is a tough one to like agree to, but I'll just say it because that's the kind of guy I am. We're not very good at prayer. Sometimes the more we think we're 
good at prayer, the less good we are. And even though, even though I've learned how to pray more, I can pray better than I did before. Even though there's this thing where I've been educated and I've learned and I've watched God, I've experienced the Lord in my life, there's still something very special about remaining a novice to the things of God so that you can learn more. So it's not that God hasn't honored your prayers before. It's just that once you start thinking you're good at it, you've missed the heart of God. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Romans 8, 26. Just, I don't have time to go through all of the, the scripture, but he says this. We don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. Experts know what, and they know how. And Paul says we, meaning he's included in this. We don't know what to pray for. Have you ever been in a situation you didn't even know how to pray? Every prayer you prayed didn't work. And you're like, now what? We didn't even know what to pray. We didn't even know how to pray. That's why he says that praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, having a prayer language is is so critical to your walk with Jesus because when you don't know what to pray, your spirit does. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of the Spirit, knows the mind of Christ, which is in us, which then communicates with our spirit. So when we pray, we pray a perfect prayer when we don't know how to pray. You've, I'm, I know you've looked at your kid one time and, and, and even in your mind just said, I do not know what to do with you. In other words, I don't even know what to pray for for you. Maybe that you still remain alive would be. <laughs> the disciples walked with Jesus. I mean, they were there with him daily, walking, learning from Jesus. And in Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished praying. When Jesus finished praying. So that means they were around watching Jesus pray, listening to Jesus pray. One disciple said, Lord, teach us how to pray. That shows me right there. There's a whole lot to learn. You have the master in front of you praying. And it's, Lord, I know my prayer life did not look like yours. So teach us how to pray. And the third thing I've learned is that our frustrations with prayer are caused by our misconceptions of prayer. Even being a follower of Jesus for many years, misconceptions can, can kind of weave their way into your life. And before you know it, you're believing something that actually isn't true or isn't part of the heart of God. Or you, you're, only, you're only getting one, one part of the truth. There's many misconceptions. One of the misconceptions about prayer is we think prayer is a magic wand. And it's not Prayer's not a magic wand. It's not a Harry Potter wand. It's, it's not a, a, a Yoda backwards statement. It's not Mickey Mouse in Fantasia creating things. Prayer's not a magic wand. There, it's, prayer isn't obedient to you. God's not obedient to your prayers. Prayer isn't some secret incantation that only the elite know. 
like a code breaker. The safe is locked. You can't open it with the combination. You don't know the combination. You forgot the combination. So you call a locksmith because he has a code somehow that will open it up. As if sometime in your Christian walk, well, I need the pastor to pray for me because he has the code. I need my small group leader to pray for me because he has the code. If I just go, the prayer team, well, I don't know them, I don't know them, but I know her. Boy, if she just prays for me, somehow the code will be unlocked in my life. And that's all humanism. That's human thinking. You're trusting in a man. You're trusting in a person. And I understand anointings, and I understand mantles, and I, I get it. But, but I hope you understand what I'm saying without me having to preach a whole sermon on that point right there. It's a misconception. Sometimes we have this magic wand mentality. It's not an abracadabra, hocus pocus. It's, it, it, there's, there's not a magic saying that somehow gets your answer to come to pass when, when if you, you didn't say it the right way. Another misconception is that somehow prayer is like for emergency only. Prayer is not a fire extinguisher. It's not something that's hidden behind the glass door and it says in case, break for in case of emergency. As if prayer is the thing that you say, has it come to that? We've tried everything else. Has it come to the fact that all we have left is prayer? You know, there's even a statement out there, you know, something that when all else fails, pray. No. What are you talking about? When all else fails? You mean when you try to mess it up? No, pray number one. It's not for emergency only. Prayer is what prevents emergencies in your life. Prayer is not something that it's, it's, it's a final resort. It's my last attempt. Prayer is not a tug of war with God. Prayer is not this this, oh, please, God, I'm begging you so much. Please, please, please. And he's like, no, 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 no. Pull harder. Pray harder. If you can just get up to number nine on the treadmill, then I'll give it to you. The treadmill of prayer. Oh, you're only at a six. Keep working out, baby. You'll finally press in. Day 21. You'll get it. You'll get your answer. It's not this tug of war with God. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. And prayer isn't something that's a ritual. A ritual that makes you feel good about yourself so it relieves guilty feelings. Because we can easily get into that kind of, of, of thinking where we have to pray in order to keep favor with God. Therefore, we're not praying because of good intention. We're praying out of a rote response to the Lord. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says this, when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition, thinking that you will be heard for your many words. Would you read that out loud? Oh, do you have that scripture? I'm sorry. Maybe I didn't give it to you. Never mind. Say after me. When you pray. Oh, there it is. Do not use meaningless repetition, thinking that you will be heard for your many words. Don't repeat cliches. 
Don't just say things because. Don't just do things. It's one thing to, to learn something about the Lord and therefore you have modeled your life maybe after a mentor. That's something different because you've actually learned it. But if you're just saying it because you think it's the magic word, then you've got the magic wand mentality. If you're around me in my prayer life, a lot of times I simply say two words. I say more Lord. And in my saying more, Lord, what I'm actually saying in my spirit is, God, I see you doing something. I might know what you're doing or might not. But either way, I see you're doing it. So I'm asking you to increase what you're already doing. And I say more, Lord. I learned that back in like 1996, 7, 8, something like that, in visiting a revival um, in the Father's Blessing at Toronto. Because... God was outpouring His Spirit so much, you didn't even know what was going on. It was, so, it was so amazing, so crazy, so inexplainable. And I watched John and Carol Arnott, and John would just say, more, Lord. He would say, more, Lord. And it was like, <laughs> and people were crying over here, laughing over here, wailing on the floor over here, rolling on the ground over here, sobbing over there, and two words. Because what John was saying is, I don't know how to pray for each and every one of you, but I know God's doing something special in each of your hearts. So I'm going to agree and just say, more Lord. And when he would say, more Lord, he just came in agreement with the intentions of the Lord's heart. And amazing things would happen. But it wasn't because of John. It's about heaven coming to earth and us agreeing with it. And when John agreed with heaven... Agree with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was able to do more than as if we didn't agree. So I learned more Lord. Now, if I just thought more Lord was this secret code, it wouldn't work. If more Lord was just me copying something I saw, it wouldn't work. But what I've learned, because trust me, I tried it and it didn't work. My bank account Lord's low. More Lord. Keep looking at that number. Keep looking at that. The number's not changing. More, Lord. More, Lord. Maybe if I had vibrato. Check it tomorrow. $3.99. Come on, Jesus. Do I have a four? Do I have a five? One funny story is actually one time the Lord supernaturally deposited $1,000 into our checking account. $1,000. We went to the bank. This was before online banking and, and this kind of thing. But it was digital banking. You could look. We had $1,000. We really needed the money. Lynn and I um, lived in our house that we paid $42,500 for. My car's worth more than that. $42,500, our first house. We lived there. We needed, we needed, we needed, we needed. We were going on a trip to Africa, I think. We need it, we need it, we need it, we need it, we need it. $1,000 came into our bank. Didn't know. I was so afraid of stealing money because I was like, we're about to go on a mission trip, Lord. I went to the bank. And I said, my balance is $1,000 more. And there's a mistake, obviously. And that means I felt bad because somebody is short 1000 They said, we'll look into it. Right there. They couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. We'll call you. They called, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. No, this is yours. You made this deposit. I didn't make the deposit. Yeah, you made the deposit on this time, this time, $1,000. Now, I've tried to pray more, Lord, since then. It's never worked. Never worked. You try it. Maybe it works. Just tithe if you did. 
So I want to teach you four steps today. I hope it helps you. So in the next uh, 25 minutes or so, I just want to teach you four steps, uh, foundational truths about prayer. Four foundational truths about prayer. Because I believe once we get this, when we go into the next several weeks of learning really more intricate ways to pray and some breakthrough, different styles of prayer, different prayers in the scripture, prophetic prayers, um, prayers that touch the Lord's heart, you know, different things. We're going to be more educated on prayer. We're still remaining a novice because God wants to teach us more and teach us more. But we want to grow or adult in our prayer life. Amen? So number one, God loves when I talk to him about anything. God loves when I talk to him about anything. Whether you're a Christian of 45 years plus, or if you're new, if you just got saved last week and this is your first Sunday as a new Christian, maybe you're a beginner in the body of Christ, I want to encourage you. God loves it. He loves it when you talk to Him about anything. God loves what you're interested in. He actually cares about what you are interested in. Listen to this scripture in Psalm 103, verse 13. The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who reverence him. Who here is a child of God? The Lord is a father to you. He's tender, he's compassionate to you when you revere him. He has a, he has a deep desire to be tender to you and compassionate to you. He loves when you have something to say. He's all ears. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody that just literally wasn't interested in the same things you were interested in? Could be a sibling, could be a spouse, could be an ex, (laughs) probably an ex. You just love to talk about football. They were not about to be, they weren't even interested and they weren't about to listen. That relationship doesn't go very far. If you're a foodie and you're with somebody who isn't, I mean, the biggest struggle in my marriage is the fact that I'm a foodie and Lynn isn't. So I get all excited about food and she's just like, eh. I'm like, isn't this amazing restaurant? She's like, eh, I get so frustrated. I still, to this day, get frustrated. You would have thought I learned something by now. Nope. I learned to keep my mouth shut a little bit less. So we, we, we work together. We go places so that she can enjoy the experience and I can enjoy the food. We pick vacation spots because she just wants to look at palm trees and, and sand and, and water. And I'm like, honey, I'll see you in a little bit. I'm going to the buffet. Here I am fasting, talking about food. I know, it's horrible. I went to Costco yesterday, bought $300 worth of stuff. A majority of it was food that I'm not eating. Just because I felt, I don't know, hungry. (laughs) Learning to pray is like learning any other language. You learn. You learn. Many of you are still learning English. I mean, I listen to you. Still learning. It's okay. We're still learning prayer. We, 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 we're always learning. It develops. 
Uh, Wednesday night, right here, I said our nights of consecration, our worship and prayer nights. Wednesday night, right here, <coughs> the Holy Spirit just moved in such a powerful way. It was amazing. Our youth were in here. They joined us for that service, led worship, did a whole sorts of things. It was awesome. But as we were about to go pray, I, I, I walked up to the stage, and the, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, ask people if they want their prayer language. Ask people who've never spoken tongues before if they want that. So I simply obeyed the Lord. I said, if you've never spoken in tongues before, if you want to be baptized in the power of the Lord and the love of the Lord in the Holy Spirit, it's available for you right now. Do you want that? So people just lined up up here. 15 people. 15 people received their prayer language. I think 16 came up. One was a latecomer. See what happens when you're late? Just teasing. 13 out of 15 were teenagers. That means we now have 13 empowered teenagers that can go through their teenage life with the power of the Holy Spirit. That when they don't know how to pray for something or what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through them. Imagine, imagine when they're going through a temptation and then they're just praying in the Holy Ghost the whole time it's all around them. When they're going through a relationship that the boundaries are unclear, somebody wants to go one way and they're not sure where to go, the Holy Spirit inside of them can start, they can start praying in the Spirit and get power to be able to make the right decisions in life. When they're not sure what college to go to, what career to path to go they can pray the perfect prayer of the holy spirit and it's a language that they'll develop the rest of their life they'll fall in love with their prayer language that's available for you and for me first john chapter five john is a man who we know in the scripture he wrote more about the love of god than anyone He's looked upon through theologians as a, as a, as a person who intimately knew the love of Jesus. It, it was all about understanding his heart. He's the man who, who laid his, when everybody else was, was, uh, uh, doing their thing and just being around Jesus, he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. He understood the love of the Lord. And this is what he says in, 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 uh, verse 14. We are confident that he hears us. Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know he will give us what we ask for. Wow! That's confidence. But it's for you too. The key here is in the first line. We can be confident he hears us when we ask for anything that pleases him. This is why it's important to know the Lord, so you know what pleases the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. Worship won't do that for you. Put him in God's presence. Absolutely. But worship isn't for you, it's for him. You're not supposed to really get anything out of worship. Do you realize that? We do, because he loves us. But worship's designed for him only. As a matter of fact, Satan, remember, he wanted worship from Jesus. He said, I'll give you Jesus. This is after Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. He came, and one of the temptations, he actually transported Jesus. That's pretty amazing. That's power. He actually took a human and transported him up on top of a mountain. All right, I'm messing with you now. Okay. He said to Jesus, if you worship me, 
you can have all the kingdoms of the world. Because Satan really didn't care about the kingdoms of the earth. He cared about worship from a deity. Worship isn't for us. When it's for you, that's what Satan thinks. Worship's for him. So here's how you know what pleases God. It's not by worship. It's by knowing this. It's not by rhema revelation from the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Yes, he will reveal things to you. Absolutely. But you only learn what pleases God by knowing his word. His word, he actually instructs us to understand. The the, the writer says, teach me your ways, O God, in the Psalms. Teach me your ways, O God, that I might not sin against you. Another way, that I may walk in your truth. Prayer and the word go hand in hand. And when you pray the word, what pleases him, you can be confident that he hears you and that he will actually do what you ask in your life. Yeah. Here's what problem I have in prayer. I talk too much. It's a problem I have in life too. Fourth grade, I got a C in conduct. Never forget it. I need a sozo just for that. Got a C in conduct. They used to grade conduct. That was before the term attention deficit disorder. It was called conduct. Fourth grade, 1980, whatever, five, four. Got a C. I remember the teacher's name. I'm not going to say it in case you're watching. I hope you are. Because I talk too much. I wasn't mean to people. I wasn't nasty. I just told jokes all the time in class. I laughed when I shouldn't have laughed. You know, I was that kid. And she told me, you should thank God it's a C. Which meant it could have went lower. But I still to this day make the mistake of talking too much. Prayer, there's an art of listening in prayer. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. And yes, while the Lord wants to know what's on your heart, yes, he says, ask me. Yes, he says, ask what pleases me so I can give it to you. Yes, he wants you active in your prayer life, but he also wants you to be an active listener. He wants to talk to you. And I encourage you in this season of fasting and prayer, listen more. Understand what pleases him. Read the word. Pray your prayer. But take time to listen. Take time to just be quiet and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He's talking. Are you listening? Jeremiah 29, 11 is a very popular scripture. And when you're going through a difficult time in your life and you're not sure what the future holds, you can hold on to this scripture. But I'm telling you, verse 12 is so important as well. And it's not on the little Instagram quotes for whatever reason. I don't know why, but listen to this. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope uh, and a good future. That's what the Lord says. He says, then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. 
He says, then I'm doing this stuff for you, but realize, please come to me, call on my name and I will listen to you. He does want to hear what you have to say, but he wants to speak to you as well. Point number two, God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple, sincere and simple. You know, God loves real, honest prayers, not you praying what you ought to pray, what you thought you should pray. Have you ever heard somebody pray something that was simple and then they embellished it nine different ways? As if somehow, again, trying to be a code breaker, cracker, manipulator, just trying to crack the code to be able to, oh, if I said it this way, well, it didn't work, so I say it this way. What if I say the, the request first, then the scripture second, and then, well, but what if, okay, wait a minute. What, and then we have these prayer models, awesome prayer models. I use prayer models. I used to use a prayer chart every day for, for a year of my life where I went through a crafted prayer. But, but sometimes we have these like prayer wheels, you know, how to pray in an hour, and you do this, you enter his gates with Thanksgiving. Oh, that's what I did wrong. I came straight in with praise. Praise was number two. Darn it. Tomorrow, Lord. No, no, no I'm not going to praise you. I'm going to go and thank you. Then I'm going to praise you. Then I'm going to make my request known. Oh, I prayed for my parents first. Oh, my goodness. I should have known to pray for the pastor first. Should have known. Darn it. Okay, tomorrow. I'm going to get it right. See, sometimes we can get so worked up into some crafted prayer that we miss the sincerity of the prayer. And yes, I'm all for crafted prayers. Right now, I'm, I'm trying to write a, a decree-like book or something like that. And, and, and I'm trying to, to, it's just a goal in my life. I'm trying to cra- you know, write out these decrees that have meant so much to me and prayers that I've prayed. And yeah, those are great. And we've done some of those decrees here, and they're awesome, and they're a tool for us. But if we, if we miss the whole point of why we do it, we're not sincere. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their full the reward in full. They've received the reward in full right there. If you, if you choose to pray that way, your reward is already fulfilled. What's your reward? Well, your pride. People saw you. People think you're holier than you are. People think you're awesome. People think you're a man of God. People think you're a woman of God. Okay, you've already received your reward. There you go. But the next verse. Instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what's been done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like pagans. For they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Wow! He still wants you to ask, though. But He knows what you need. He knows what you need. You might be asking for two grand, but He knows you only need a thousand. (laughs) Hebrews 10 I love this verse in verse 22, just a real portion of it. It says, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. Come near to God with a sincere heart. Come on Wednesday night with a sincere heart. Come on Friday night with a sincere heart. 
comes saying, Lord, it's not about what you do for me. It's about me wanting to be in right relationship with you. A conduit that you can pour through in my life with no obstacles. A vessel that you can use. I'm clay on your wheel. And you're the potter. Mold me and make me. That's sincere. Sincerity isn't, I'm the leader. Listen to what I have to say, God. I'm the department head. I'm the this. I'm the that. I'm the parent. I'm the PhD. No, that's not sincerity. Point three. Two more points. God likes to show his grace by answering prayer. Somebody should applaud for that one. God loves to show grace when he answers prayer. As a loving, gracious, wonderful parent that you are, do you give your kid everything they ask for? I had a strong no from the front row. Let it be said. Not pointing it out, but do you give your kid everything they ask for? You love them, don't you? You give your life for them. You have provided for them. You've sacrificed for them. You've worked two jobs for them. You've worked overtime for them. But you're not going to give them everything they ask for. I find that there's four possible answers that I tell my kids. Which means I think there's kind of four possible answers just in, in prayer life. Answers to requests. Yes. That's an easy one. Yes. No. Let's wait on that. And are you kidding me? Why in the world would you ask for Are you kidding me? And I just think God answers the same way. I can't say for sure about the fourth one, but I can give you an example. I mean, God says yes, and we love it when he says yes. You love it when he says yes. You feel like you prayed correctly when he says yes. You feel like you could just say that one again. It worked the first time. And you don't like it when he says no. And I think you need to be a mature Christian. You need to be adulting when he says wait. Because so many times you think he said no, but he said wait. And when you think it's a no and you start complaining, I think the wait is longer. Don't you talk back to me. You're just going, okay, all right, fine. I ground you for an hour. Now it's two hours. Wait. No PlayStation. Okay, go ahead. Today. Okay, let's make it tomorrow. Wait. That's wait. If you keep running your mouth, the wait is longer. Are you kidding me? Here's an example. One time I prayed that I could be Prince William. Hmm. I'll have to have some fellowship time later. 
online congregation, you've got to come to church to see these things. I should be getting some money, but... Uh, That's an... Are you kidding me, prayer? I ain't moving to the palace across the pond. And even if I did, I would be arrested if I declared that I was Prince William. That I could live in Westminster Abbey or whatever other... That I could... And then what if I, what if I wanted the crown jewels? Had to wrestle mom, grandma. <laughs> that prayer is just not going to happen. You could pray that you're going to be a Saudi prince in charge of a multi-billion dollar oil company. It's not going to happen. It's, are you kidding me? prayer. God's like, why are you wasting your time praying about things that aren't going to happen? No, you're not going to walk on the moon, okay? You're not. Maybe in your heavenly body, when you get to heaven, God says, okay, go ahead, moon time. <laughs> he spreads out the playground. All right, Jupiter. All right, moon. Who's going? To, wait, no, no, too much. Moon's too populated. Saturn. You're going to Saturn. Saturn? God, I was there yesterday. Yeah, no. But you're not going to you're not going to be an astronaut. Now, if you're 16, you could be an astronaut. But if you're 52, okay. But he loves to show his grace by answering prayer. Let me tell you, Jeremiah 33:3, a great scripture, great scripture. Call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wonderful things, wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. That's in the Message Bible. You could never figure out on your own. Call to me and I will answer you. Call on me. Pray to me. I will answer you. I'm going to give you yes, no, wait, or are you kidding me? I will answer you, but here's what I want to do. I want to show you great things wondrous things, glorious things, things that you could have never had access to on your own, things you could never figure out on your own. If you're in business, if you're working, if you're in school and you're trying to solve a problem, you can't figure it out. The equation is not making sense. Call on the Lord. If you're an inventor and everyone you try keeps failing, call on the Lord because he wants to give you things that you couldn't figure out on your own. That's a promise that you have. He'll give you solutions. He'll help you write the business plan in your business, in your life. If you call on him, on him he's going to give you things that you couldn't figure out on your own. James 4, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't have. Another scripture says, you don't have because you don't ask and you ask amiss. You've missed the mark because you don't know the Lord. Because you don't know the scripture. So we, we ask things and God's like, man, if you would just ask, the mark's really big. The bullseye's gigantic. Ask for those things. Stop shooting your arrow over there. Stop praying about that over here. Hit what I'm, get to know what's on my heart. Pray what's on my heart. And answers will start flooding your life. Pray, um, pray what's on my heart. And my final point. And this is one of my favorite. God longs to be close to me. He longs to be close to me. Say that, please. 
Yeah. I want you to really mean it this time. Think about what you're about to say. Oh, because you're going to say it again. Think about it just for a second. Now you're going to renew your mind just by saying this. The Father longs to be close to me. Isaiah 30, verse 18. The Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. I'm just reading part of the verse. Just that part. He's waiting on you because he wants to be close to you. He's calling you to come to him because he wants to be close to you. In Hosea chapter 6, such an amazingly intimate scripture says this. I want to show you love. I want you, sorry. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Just leave that scripture up, please. It's not that God doesn't want your sacrifice. Of course he does. Of course he talks about it. But he says, in comparison to me receiving sacrifice, I want you to love me first. I need you to show me love. This is a prophet in the old covenant. This is how God's heart doesn't change. God's heart was always longing for for humanity to have a relationship with him. God wants you to freely love him. He doesn't want a robot. He already has angels. They're not robots, by the way, but I'm just saying. He already has a created being. He wants you to have a choice to love him or not, to say yes to him. He wants it so badly that he longs for your love more than he does your gift. He wants you to know him more than, than your burnt offering, than your sacrifice. The prophet Samuel said, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen, to hearken to the Lord, is better than the fat of rams, better than the offering of the ram as a sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Okay, obey. Now that just sounds robotic, like I've got to obey, and it's better than my sacrifice. Well, no, Jesus said this, if you love me, you will obey me. God equates obedience in love. There's a relationship. If you obey without loving, it don't count. It don't count. So Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to already obey me. So that's that's a given right there. Obedience is a given. And so you look at Hosea. I want you to show love. Not just offer sacrifices. I want you to know me. More than just you knowing your offering. And saying, God, I gave my offering. Now I can just go out on Monday and have a week. Just come in on Sunday. Just as long as I can show up and give my offering. Somehow that equates to a great prayer life. No. He wants to draw close to you. There's this statement here. God designed you for a relationship. He made you to love you. He created you for his companionship. He chose you to be his child. 
We need to grasp a hold of that. We need to grasp a hold of this. You and I were designed for relationship already. You were designed for that. You, you can kind of relate to that. You, you know you don't like you know, being alone. You know you, you're in a family. You desire communication. You desire to affection and stuff. He made you to love you. He wants to love on you. He created you for His companionship. He wants to draw near to you, draw, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And He chose you to be His child. Not just a creation, a child. Not just a pet, a child. What if you just drew close to God today? 